0: Hey, you guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. I know I had wanted to start a podcast for years, and I just didn't know how to get started. Anchor made it so simple by giving me all the tools to record, edit, and even distribute my podcast across listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. But in that moment, I looked the devil in his face and I knew he was real. And so if he's real, everything else must be real too. Hey you guys, welcome back. This is both the Raised and Redeemed podcast and YouTube channel. So today is a very important day. I'll be honest, I'm super nervous because this is something I've postponed for a couple of years now, but I just feel like God has placed it on my heart that I'm not interviewing anybody else this week, but I'm giving my personal testimony. It's so much easier to have guests on the show and to you know, ask them their story and to share tidbits about myself here and there but to actually sit down and do my full testimony. I postponed it for a few reasons. Um, One, I wanted to be sure I was really on the other side of hell before giving it. And so here I am. And then two, just, you know, I wanna make sure that I tell it well and I tell it right. So I've been reading Acts and I've been reading about Paul and him being sent to prison, being persecuted by the Jews and being taken in front of all these different um, Roman rulers and, every time he gave his defense it was essentially his testimony and in each of those instances it gave the person hearing his story his defense the opportunity to hear the good news of jesus and most of them ignored him but many people listened and are still learning from that and their eternities are changed because of it forever still now like we're still reading about Paul and what he did and how he told his story. So I know that, you know, if my story can help at least one person, then that's enough for me. But the internet is crazy. So go wild. So I want to give you a brief overview of what my life is like now, just so that as I get into my testimony, you see the 180 that happened and you have something to contrast it to. So now I live in Florida with my sweet and loving husband. We've been married for a little over a year now. We live here with my dog, Doge, who's still, he's still in the picture if you've been following the channel for a while. So my husband's a realtor and I'm currently employed in marketing. I have this Christian podcast, YouTube channel, I lead a women's Bible study. We're really active in the church. We just did the prep for marriage class, even though we're already married and just, you know, a variety of things like this. and. Overall, there's just peace in my heart, with my life and with all of my relationships, and there's a true sense of integrity, um, which is something that I never had before Jesus began to transform me. And what that means is, I'm the same person out in the world as I am behind closed doors and in secret. So everything is finally in alignment because secrets and darkness it always finds a way to come out into the light and The way it came out for me was an explosion. To give you a brief outline of just some of the things that Jesus has saved me from, that looks like an abusive and demonic childhood upbringing, which led into lots of rebellion, not knowing my worth, sexual immorality, witchcraft, substance abuse, strip clubs, toxic relationships, and the list goes on. I find that the more that you know that you are saved by grace— the more you are willing to be open with these kinds of things. And also, when you know you've done a 180, when you know you're on the other side of it, it gives you the freedom to share about the things of the past because you know that's not you anymore. You know that was your old life before Jesus gave you a new one. So Jesus knew even then, even when I was denying him, even when I was rebelling, that he would eventually use me as a living testimony so i was born into a lineage of addiction my parents were drug addicts um, my mom was 17 when she got pregnant my dad 21 they were not expecting me they were living the fast life i stopped them in their tracks but not for too long um, they believed in the bible but they just didn't follow it at all which is crazy because like they believe in god they called themselves christians but there was also Like all this drug and alcohol abuse, which is still witchcraft opening portals to the demonic. And then more blatant witchcraft too of, you know, tarot cards being brought into the house, Ouija boards. My dad dated only strippers. My mom was a stripper. Lots of her friends would overdose and die. So she would use Ouija boards to try to connect with them. Even though like this woman knows her Bible. So it's just crazy to me. Like the things that you'll be swayed into doing out of, you know, mere curiosity. So the way I describe my childhood is really like I grew up in hell and I started seeing really scary paranormal things from a really young age. And, you know, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night between the screams of my dad's girlfriends because, like I said, he was very abusive And then just the terror I had being in my room alone in the dark and feeling these dark presences all around me. And I even began to see things too, as I got older and I I thought it was ghosts. So I was, I think in first grade when I wrote my first book in school and it was all about ghosts. I remember I went to the library and I studied all about this, like what first grader does that, you know, but I didn't realize that it was demonic. You know, I thought, it was, it was ghosts, but now I see, looking back, it was just a lot of demonic activity. There was a motto in my house of, you shall be seen and not heard. So I really didn't get much socialization growing up. My dad didn't let me you know, talk to other family members or friends or be involved in anything extracurricular because of what was happening at home. He knew the more I was out and about in the world, the more there was a chance that he was going to get told on. And to just kind of go back a little bit, I was three years old when the abuse and the cheating and the lies and the chaos got too much for my mom. So she left Um, and then she fell really deep into a heroin addiction that started with her being at the strip club and she found out like her dad wasn't really her dad. The guy she thought was her dad died of cancer. It was this whole thing and I pretty much lost my mom at that point. Um, And it was just, she was in and out of prison my whole life. You know, sometimes I'd be able to see her, um, but most of the time my dad didn't want me anywhere near her because of, you know, random boyfriends and just things like this. I never really had a church life until my dad started getting in more legal trouble. I grew up in a really small town in Indiana where the pastor of the church was also my dad's lawyer. So that was the main reason we went. I didn't know at the time that my dad's like, you know, minor cocaine, weed, alcohol addiction was turning into a full blown meth addiction. So he had moved us out to the middle of nowhere. And like I said, the abuse just continued to get worse and worse, especially for me too, as I got older and started resembling a woman more. So, you know, the abuse that he would give to his girlfriends and wives, it was now I fell in the same category. There were no more restrictions, even though as a little girl, like I was his baby girl, he protected me, like over everything he defended me over everything so I feel like that's why it was even more traumatic too is like it was the ultimate betrayal of like I'm supposed to be your baby like I'm supposed to be the one you protect and he began to turn on me too because drugs just they turn you into another person and I remember having like really brutal weekends and in mornings and then we'd have to go to church and we'd all be We'd all be crying. Everybody would be a mess. or hair pulled, you know, his wife beat up. And then we'd pull into the church parking lot and he would tell us all, like, threaten us that we better get a smile on our face before going in there. So I always felt like at church, I wasn't safe and I was always hiding something. and I didn't feel like I belonged with the other children. I felt like they were, like, talking about things I just couldn't relate to because I was just in pure survival mode and chaos at home where, like, I couldn't think about jumping rope or, you know, whatever else they were thinking about. I'm thinking like, I'm going to leave here and get my ass beat probably. And like, I don't want to leave here. So yeah, it never felt like a place for me. But having said that, because everything was as bad as it was at home, I did find myself going to God a lot and praying a lot. I just didn't understand Jesus. So I always believed in God and you know, when people ask me, you know, when I get into the details of what really happened at home, people are like, "How did you survive?" And I really believe it's because I was God's kid. You know, He takes in the orphans, He adopts the orphans, He gives us a family in His in His family. Um, and so, even though I didn't I didn't know Jesus yet, I did understand God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I remember just praying to God all the time to get me out of this, get me out of this house. I began to want to do things. Like my friends are getting together. My friends are in sports. They're doing all these things that I'm not allowed to do. And I remember the one time I tried to join track and my dad had this whole conniption. I, I don't know, like this was a really traumatic memory for me where I ended up going to track because his wife told me he wasn't home from work. And I somehow I thought I could pull this off of doing it and getting home before he got home from work. And he found out that I was there and I knew I was going to get beat when I got home. And so that's just one of the examples of like, I wasn't allowed to go anywhere if it wasn't the woods behind the house. So I hung out a lot just in nature with my animals. And then there was an animal rehab next door, but like, I wanted more, like I wanted to know what it was like to have a boyfriend and to hang out with my friends and do stuff like this. Um, and so then I ended up meeting somebody on the, on the bus who, Really, I met his sister and she put me in contact with him and it was one of those weird like texting relationships when you're a little kid and you send each other selfies. And so I was 12 and he was 15 and it's really, you know, disgusting looking back. But at the time I thought I was so cool. I thought I was so mature. I thought he really liked me, but he was dating somebody and I'll never forget her name was like Kaylin or something like this. And he would tell me like all the things that they would do together, like sexual things. And I'm over here, like I've never even had my first kiss, but then he would like break up with me and get back with Kaylin because she would do these things. So I eventually ended up sneaking out one night to go meet him in person for the first time. Terrible idea. My first time ever doing that. 12 years old, riding a bike in the middle of the country, like two miles away at midnight. And I get to his house and I'm thinking, you know, maybe like Max will have our first make out or something like this, you know, just something, just something. And it ended up going all the way. And I lost my virginity that night. And I don't remember it being like a traumatic thing. I just didn't know. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't even know if I wanted to say no. I feel like when you're a kid that grew up in abuse as well, like your boundaries are always, always crossed. So you don't even have boundaries, you don't know your boundaries. And then even if you do, you don't know how to speak your boundaries. The thing was, is like, I didn't have, I didn't feel bad about it. Like there was a part of me that felt proud of it. And honestly, like as messed up as it all is, and how, you know, I would never want that for any of my little sisters or any young girl, because this set me up for, you know, the next years, so many years of same kind of behavior and trying to redo that scenario to be better and but having said that I do feel like this was a pivotal moment in my life where I came back and I felt more powerful. I felt like this was one thing that I did that my dad couldn't stop me from and I began to feel like you know I could stand up against him too. So this leads up to one of the craziest weekends in all history of experiences with my dad where he beat his wife with a bell. I heard her crash to the floor. I heard my baby sister crash to the floor. And all these years I'd never told anybody, you know, I'd hint to guidance counselors and stuff like this, and they would always tell me like if there's abuse, we'd have to call the police. So I would always just, okay, no, I'm not telling anybody anything. But this day like I was used to being abused, but now I have a little sister that's involved in it too. That's having to experience it too. And I just felt this anger, like this righteous anger go all through me. And I looked at my stepsister where we were hiding behind a pool. We just always would hide out when he got bad so we didn't end up in his line of fire. And I told her she had to go. And like I said, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. So it was like half a mile up the road to the next neighbor's house. And it's this elderly couple. And there's no way they would have been able to do anything, but it was our closest refuge. And so she went. My dad and his wife come out and they're, they're both screaming at me, like the audacity of the wife too. Like we're trying to help you besides the point. And they're, my dad is just like, how could you, like, how could you let her go? Like you should know better than this. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to go get her. Don't worry. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this is my opportunity to get out as well. So I run up the road. I know exactly where she is. I get there this couple, this old couple, just happened to be having a family reunion. Like, God's perfect timing, because if it was just them, we would have been so screwed. But they had their son in law open the door, had me come in. This family helped us get out of the situation. In the meantime, my dad is like threatening the son in law. He comes up or he comes back with his shotgun and busts in all the windows of this house. Like, this is how nuts, guys. Um, and so we get up the road. I see the night with my grandparents that night. Uh, my stepsister goes back to her dad's house. And my dad is in jail this night. They finally found him after seeking him down in the woods. It was this whole chase. So I'm thinking, okay, so he's in jail now. But then the next morning, his old red candy apple red Cadillac comes pulling in the driveway. And I knew that he was coming for me. And I remember him chasing me around the island. I run up to the barn because there's nowhere for me to go. So I like dart out the door, up the barn. We live, there's this highway um, of cars passing by. They see it, but nobody stops to do anything. Like, I don't know what anybody would even do in that moment. And I just like stop and he grabs me by my hair and drags me all the way up the driveway. And I know he's going to try to shove me in this car So I slip out of the hoodie and I run from him and I was headed in for the gun that was beside my grandpa's bed. And he pushes over my grandparents in the way of trying to get to me. They fall over in the driveway, just like igniting my fire even more, you know. And I get into the house and I grab the gun and it was like time stopped because I've never stood up to him like this. And I'm walking down the hallway and as soon as he opens the front door I meet him there with the gun in his face. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, he's going to realize that this has gone too far, that he's done too much. You know, some kind of responsibility where his 12-year-old daughter that, like, loves him so much and has never done anything crazy like this would be to the point of pulling a gun on him right now. But no. I don't know if you guys have ever dealt with a, a narcissist or an addict, but it was instantly, like, my fault. Like, how could you? So, yeah, he wrestles the gun out of my hands. Of course, I wouldn't have shot my dad Anyways, um, and then we just sit there looking at each other and He's just like looking at me with disgust like he's the one. He's the one that's betrayed guys So I end up having to go back with him, you know, i'm there for a while He's just telling me how disgusting I am and how I might as well have shot him and just All this gaslighting. This is why I I literally walk around with so much guilt all the time My husband always catches me and is like you didn't do anything wrong like, you have nothing to feel guilty about. You did the best you can. Like, about every little thing. Like, did we stay long enough? Like, did I say this to where she could tell that I cared about her? My husband's like, chill. Um, but I just, I still carry this with me from from these experiences. It goes deep, you know? So anyways, I go back to my grandma's house. That next morning, I get a restraining order on him. Now CPS is involved. This whole thing. And that's when the the cops realized that he had a whole meth lab going on in that trailer. So long story short, my dad ends up going to prison for five years, and my little sister moves in with my aunt who lived about 45 minutes away, and I now lived with my grandparents. I became so rebellious because not only was I brought up with no values, but now I had complete free reign as well, and so I remember I started, you know, sneaking out even more, and partying with my friends. I I started doing pain pills. My friend would bring her dad's random prescriptions to school and we would do them literally at school. Um, I did spice. I did weed. I did alcohol. So one of my friends that I was hanging out with, um, she had an older brother who was able to get access to everything. And so we're like 13, 14 years old, literally doing everything, you know? And then there was this guy that pretty much like I don't even think he realizes how pivotal he was in my childhood um, or anybody else that I went to school with either. But this guy, like I was obsessed with him. And so we actually went way back. And I don't think he remembered that until I told him, but our parents used to do drugs together. And I remember having a crush on him in elementary school. And then he moves to our school later on in like middle school and actually lives with that friend that I was always hanging out with he moved in with her older brother because they were on the football team together and he had a bad family too. So now he's living there and he only dated like good girls, sporty girls, girls that came from a good family, but he messed around a lot. And I was the kind of girl that he would be interested in behind closed doors and in secret, but never, I knew he was never going to date me, but any ounce of attention I could get from him, like I would do anything. And I was also too nervous to talk to him because at this point, I developed literally no social skills. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was not comfortable in my own skin. So this is a big reason that I drank so much is it was the only thing that like gave me any ounce of confidence. And then I would drink so much and not even remember what happened or what I did or what I said. And this turned into just a terrible, terrible reputation that I was building for myself at school because wherever he was, if he was at a party, if he was at the house like I was there and I was doing whatever he wanted me to do with whoever he wanted to do it with and rumors were going around quick about me and you know I was no longer like the abused girl I then became like the slutty girl this the secret girl the wrecking girl and other girls don't like that because you're now a threat and so this is when fights started happening I got suspended from school I was in a handful of fights and you know, there's a lot of drama in my friendships. I had, I had good friends, but we also, there's just so much, so much drama and everything was just bad. It was really, really bad. And because I knew this guy would never date me, I also hopped around guy to guy seeking love in that same broken way because I didn't know any different. And I settled for the kind of treatment that I watched my dad give to women and I watched my mom settle for and just that was the norm in my community, in my town, in my school. And so I settled for garbage and my life just became garbage. And I really like, that's really what I wanted was love. Like I'd been seeking love and I just didn't know how to get it. And I was going about it like a wrecking ball. And it got to the point where like I knew, you know, as much as I love my friends, as much as like I'd never lived in another town, I couldn't imagine leaving Um, things at school just got so bad that I I knew I couldn't stand it anymore. And things at home were getting worse too because my grandma was so poor. They could barely afford to pay the bills. I had been working. I started working when I was 15 because we were so poor. And, you know, I got all my school clothes at Goodwill. It was always like really embarrassing because I wanted more. I wanted nice things, but we just like couldn't afford it. And then they had to take my money to pay for the bills too. And, I feel like all that stress that was on my grandma because now she's supporting my dad in prison, like definitely an enabler, Um, like rest her soul. She meant well, she just didn't realize what she was doing and the fact that he was manipulating her and that he was still doing drugs in prison, but that's a later story. And so my aunt was, my aunt that my sister went to live with was giving my grandma money to help take care of me and pay for cheer because I'd been in cheerleading. And finally, I was texting my aunt a lot and she's like, why don't you just come live with me? Why don't you be a kid for once? Why don't you think about you for once? And I simmered on that for a while and I finally said yes because I had literally nothing to lose. It's crazy though. I want to just note on the fact that Jesus was pursuing me in every season because No matter where I was or what season I was in, there was always at least one person that was trying to pull me to him, that he was using to pull me to him. And so there was little trickles of that in every, like wherever I lived or wherever I was. And I had a friend that was at that old school that, you know, talked to me about Jesus and brought me to youth group. And You know, her mom would take us out for ice cream and I always felt like I am way too dirty I'm way too bad to be hanging out with you. Like, I don't know why you like me. I don't really, I don't fit in with these church people once again. Um, But she did take an interest in me and I actually reached out to her like a year ago and was like, you don't realize like you were a reflection of Jesus to me in that point in my life when nobody else was. So I moved in with my aunt. Now I, I moved to a different school and like this was a fresh start for me. And I was so excited. I was now on the school news team, everybody was interested in who's the new blonde girl. And I held my reputation sacred, like I knew I was not going to blow it up this time. Um, I still partied a lot. And you know, I was friends with everybody. I was friends with the party kids with the smart kids, I always got all A's and you know, did really well in school and was in the um, college credit classes. But I'd also be messing around getting high getting drunk finding parties and then my aunt got on my case because she's like I know you live like this before but this isn't gonna fly under my roof so I respected her and I didn't want to lose this fresh start that I got so I did keep it more low-key after that but I was still doing the same things but just more low-key and then I got a boyfriend in this town who really was just like a big stoner so my life did get more quiet. If I wasn't at work, I'd be with him. And so I wasn't getting in as much trouble as what I would, was getting in before that. I also took this time to get really serious about my future and about college. And I literally applied for scholarships like a madman. I'd always had this like scarcity thing. And it's something that Satan continued to use was like this fear of lack, like growing up in poverty, you're not going to have enough. So I worked, worked, worked. And I really... Like after junior year, from junior to senior year, I really didn't have many like school experiences where I like went to games or, you know, extracurricular things because I I worked so much and I wouldn't spend my money. And I ended up saving 20 grand while in high school, those two years. And I was saving this for college. And I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to IU. And that was just like you know, finally, I felt like all these prayers had been answered of like, God, get me out of here. God, get me out of here where he did. He just kept making a way where there was literally no way before that. But at that time, I still wasn't like acknowledging him. And then just to note on like the spiritual life in my aunt's house, too, is like there really wasn't one like she used to go to church. But then the people at the church, um, there was like some drama. So when by the time I moved in, there was no church life but there was like one crazy encounter this is this is one of my first like real demonic encounters as i got older where i had this sleep paralysis dream where this demon was fighting me in the dream and i told myself i was going to wake up and like he was like no you're not and finally i did wake myself up and i felt him in the room and i was like what the heck like you should have been gone like i like when i moved here i thought all of the demonic was left in the old town with my parents i didn't think anything would come with me but it did. And like I said, I worked at Steak and Shake at that time. So a group of Mormon missionaries came in and just so happened to ask me if there was anything they could pray for me about. And at that time, like I'd never seen a Mormon. I I thought they were like Christians or something. And I told them about this and I ended up coming to their church. They all laid hands on me and prayed this demonic spirit away. And I never experienced that spirit again. So Really, like, the spiritual things got really quiet for me after that. Um, and then the next part of my life was going off to college. So the summer that I went to college, my grandma ended up passing away. And my grandpa passed away about a year, maybe two before that. So now both of the people who were, like, my parents were now gone. And the way I found out about my grandma's passing was pretty traumatic. I'd been donating plasma um, because you get paid for it. I think I made like $200 or something. So I was donating plasma all the time. I wasn't allowed to work uh, while in the scholarship program. Um, they just wanted us to go to meetings and go to class. And so there was a no work rule, but I was always like, I like I said, I had this scarcity mindset, like I wanted more, I needed more. And so I was donating plasma and I get the call and I find out that my grandma passed. It was a pretty big loss in my life. And the more people that I lost, it was like the less accountability that I had. So this scholarship program was full of kids like me who were minority kids, came from poverty or, you know, like just other minorities and didn't really stand a chance getting into college, but had good grades that proved that they would do great at college if given the chance. So my roommate was another girl that was just like me, pretty much in upbringing. And I remember playing with the idea of going to the club and starting to dance because I remembered hearing my mom and all my dad's girlfriends talk about how much money they made. And they also really desensitized it. Like it's not stripping. It's not sexual. It's just dancing. It's just dancing. That's how they would tell me when I was a little kid. So I was like, okay, it's not that big of a deal, right? Like it's just you put on like a sexy outfit and you dance and you get paid a lot of money. So 18 year old me ends up in the strip club for the first time a place that I never thought I would be and really I don't understand it because it's not like I was at a rock bottom but the the devil has always convinced me that I'm not going to have enough and I'm not going to survive and money was really my master it got really crazy because there was this old creepy guy that was like obsessed with me and he was like really possessive and scary and I didn't want to talk to him anymore and a group of the girls the dancers ended up cornering me in the locker room and telling me that I had to go out there and talk to him and hang out with him otherwise he was going to leave um and he brought in the most money so none of them wanted to see him leave so that ends up being my last day at the club i never went back after that i wanted to experience the college life and there's lots of like really wealthy people that came to that went to my school and i just i wanted to have the kinds of clothes that they had and kind of makeup and just I wanted that look that like I was from a good family and I was worthy but I didn't want to go to the club anymore because now my focuses are on school and like the actual college experience. So me and the same group of roommates end up finding like a seeking arrangements app and that's when the whole sugar daddy lifestyle started to happen in my life as well. Kind of like how people say weed is the gateway into doing other drugs because it desensitizes you and it opens the door. This is the same way with the club where it doesn't, I mean, it's definitely the the devil's playground, you know, like I'm not going to say it's not, but just like performing, dancing might not be terrible, but it does open doors to all these other much deeper, darker things. And you fall down quick. Like when you're playing in the devil's playground, like if he can get you to trip and fall down the slide, like Yes, that's exactly what he's going to do. So I'm doing this. I'm going to frat parties. I'm blacking out. I don't know how I'm making it home most nights. Um, if I even made it home at all, I'm ending up in class the next day. I have to leave to go to the bathroom to throw up. Like I was a train wreck the whole first semester of college, but I was still, still all A's, you know, like nothing ever impeded me from that. And then I ended up meeting somebody who would later be my fiance. Um, not the guy I married, but this guy I got engaged to. And he came in like super romantic, super, like super salesy. He knew what I wanted. He spoiled me like all these things that like only the older wealthier men were able to do. This guy was my age, you know, from the same town as I was from. And he was taking me to like luxury dinners and massages and trips and all of these things. And I remember thinking like this is what I've been looking for, but in somebody my age that I would actually be with. But we started off on a very sexual note. And you know, I really believe if you want to be able to tell the trajectory of a relationship, go back to what it was rooted in, and that's how you can tell. And our relationship was rooted in sex and a facade. We end up dating, and I come back to college for the next semester, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna do long distance, I'm gonna make this work because. He lived in Arizona for college. He went away all the way across the country and went to ASU. So we were going to make long distance work, but we were both just such a mess. We'd both been like locked in animals that were free and just like didn't know how to control ourselves. And, you know, I cheated on him and he cheated on me and we lied to each other. And it was just, and we would try to get back together and make it work. And we ended up moving in together that next summer into his mom's house. And we were just like, on the path to destruction together, doing all these things for money. Now as a team, um, like I said, selling things we shouldn't be selling, we started shoplifting. It was it was really bad once again. Nothing probably would have changed unless I was physically forced to stop. And that's exactly what happened because I got in trouble. Um, I got caught shoplifting. He never got caught. They had been building a case on both of us, but I was the only one that got caught. Yeah, so I knew then like, I'm 18. I could lose my scholarship. This could impact the rest of my future. And I was just, I was so scared. I was so mortified. And this leads to my first encounter with God, where I then have to go home for the weekend um, because my ex, my ex at this point, he went on a trip to Africa with his dad. In the meantime, I find out that he's cheating with an- another girl. Somebody DM'd me on Instagram. And I'm laying in my aunt's pool. I had just had to confess to my family that I have this shoplifting charge. I find out that my boyfriend is cheating on me again. None of my friends had visited me all summer. I realized like we were really rooted in, in parties and like, it just wasn't a friendship that was like built on true depth. So I realized I really didn't have any like close friends. I hated what I was studying at school because I was studying like business management Um, Because I thought it, once again, it would be the thing that made me the most money. And just all these things. My relationship with my family was bad. Everything was bad once again. This situation revealed to me the fact that I wasn't the kind of woman that somebody would want to be faithful to. And I wasn't the kind of friend that somebody would want to be friends with. And so I knew that I had to make some serious changes. And I'm laying in this pool, looking up at the sky. And I knew I couldn't fix this by myself. And I felt God tell me to let me help you. And I started watching church services um, online. And um, I ended up doing my community service that I had to do at this church. And I met the pastor in person. And I began to be curious about God, curious about more. And so I went back to school that next semester and ended up blocking this boyfriend at the time I was like you are a dark hole like you don't deserve me I need to heal I began to get really curious about my healing all around the same time because I didn't have a clear compass of truth I yoga came into my awareness plant-based living I had really bad acne so I'm thinking like I'm realizing the connection between the internal and external and I'm like okay so I have like angry emotions that are flaring up but I've got inflammation so I got to eat better and no more animals and I need to do yoga. And um, I was reading the Bible, but I was also interested in Hinduism. And I was just, I was open to all of it. I was taking in all these messages and a lot of like new age stuff began to come into my awareness, but I was also in a mostly Christian environment too. And I would go to these college youth groups and these college church sessions. And, you know, once again, like it was sort of, a hit but really I still didn't have that relationship with Jesus so this fell out um, but I did end up going on a mission trip with this ex-boyfriend because we ended up we got back together again and we go on this mission trip and I'm still at this time like telling everybody like I'm not a Christian but I believe in God and I know there's a the Holy Spirit but I just I didn't believe in Jesus I didn't claim him as my Lord and Savior so I wanted what was good I wanted what was God I wanted healing I wanted truth and I was getting closer but I still wasn't quite there yet and then i moved to arizona with this boyfriend and i left my scholarship program and i just like knew i just knew through faith alone that my school was going to still somehow be paid for and it was and i didn't know how it was going to happen it was a whole summer of like trying to figure out logistics but i get there and yeah so i find a way to finish my degree online it's still covered by the government And this yoga teacher training school that I had actually researched a year prior and thought, okay, well, it's all the way in Arizona. There's no way for me to go there. Ended up being right down the road. And so I started hanging out with the yoga community. And that's where I met my first friends in Arizona. So that was my environment. And once again, anything connected to the devil is a slippery slope. You fall in quick because it started Really subtle. Like I'm still, I'm seeking healing. I'm seeking truth. I'm seeking, you know, to help others heal now because I had come from such a toxic upbringing, and I finally started to find some peace within myself. And so I wanted to like learn how to teach that to others. So that's when my YouTube channel started. It started as a yoga channel of me like teaching meditations and yoga, and then I actually ended up going to this yoga teacher training, and that's where I met my first spiritual teacher, and. This opened the door to now tarot cards and goddess circles, witchcraft circles, white witch practices. Even Jesus was being brought up, but I was so appalled by Jesus. Like I was literally like somebody would say the name Jesus. And at this point, like it would send me into like an emotional, like PTSD, like reaction because I just felt like I had been so brainwashed. I felt like the church was just this man-made, patriarchal, means at controlling people. And the way I'd seen my parents do it was just, you know, terrible. Like they didn't live like Christ at all. They didn't follow the Bible. So, you know, they were a bad reflection, a bad example to reference, but this was my only reference. And then all the Christians I did know, I felt like like it was just hypocritical and ignorant. And I felt like I had all this intellectual and spiritual superiority and, you know, I'm healing and I'm breaking chains and I'm progressive and finding a new way. And I just got this big spiritual ego and this broken, insecure, acne-faced, quiet, shy girl began to feel power for the first time in her life. The practices got deeper and darker because like I said, one door opens the next and now it's Now it's shrooms. I'm doing lots of shrooms. And then it turns into sex magic, um, which at that time, like I thought it was like a beautiful, like universal energy. I didn't realize that the Kundalini spirit was demonic. I didn't realize that sex magic was literally practiced by the founder of Satanism as a means of like manifesting and like this warping of like trying to be God and trying to have God power. At this time, I had, I didn't. Honestly, like I thought Satanism was fine, and I started to think that even Satanism was misunderstood by the world. That's how, you know, I think there's a verse in the Bible about how in the end times people will believe that bad is good and good is bad. And I was that brainwashed where like Christianity repelled me and I was even I was down to consider Hinduism. I read the whole Srimad Bhagavatam. I went to these Hare Krishna circles, you know, I was into everything except Christianity, and that even includes Satanism in the middle of this healing i stopped wanting to have sex with this boyfriend who i think was now my fiance at this time he had proposed to me and we were like best friends like really it felt super it began to feel really platonic where i just wasn't interested in having sex with him anymore and it wasn't like i wasn't seeking anybody else or anything like this but i think he got bored and you know i was probably bored too and he started like sharing these fantasies of you know other people and you know, really just anything we might've had began to be more and more chipped away. And then he had to go away to this military training at the same time as we ran out of money. So once again, the devil's bringing this back into my life. It's another test. What are you going to do? You don't have money. What are you going to do? You know what you can do. I ended up back in the club and my fiance at the time, like thought it was hot while we were best friends. Like he wasn't a godly man. He didn't have Christ in his life. His family was Christian, but he also repelled it at this time. And so there was no like attempt to protect me or to dissuade me from this. He was like, yeah, like do it. That'd be, that'd be hot. And he would come and get lap dances from other girls. And I also viewed this as a form of female empowerment where I was like, I framed it in my head as like, this is another part of my healing of me taking my power back of me learning to be like a boss woman and making my own money. And really, I just believed all these lies and I didn't realize how toxic this was going to be for my soul to go back in this environment. While I was here, of course, you know, the easy, quick money, the ways of getting that easy, quick money, all of these things came back into my environment and that became my life again. You know, history repeats itself if you don't stop it. And I ended up meeting two people while I was here. One that, you know, gave me the the money I needed to move out of the house with my ex-fiance and to the man that directly or indirectly ended up leading me to Jesus. So I'm going to start with the one that ended up leading me to Jesus. So when I met him, we both had rings on our hand. I had my engagement ring, but I knew this relationship was pretty much over and he had a wedding ring and also wore a cross around his neck. And I was like, I didn't realize this until later that he was wearing this cross. And I was like, oh, brother, like not a Christian. Um, And I, you know, we argued about like the goddess faith versus Christianity. And it didn't start there, though. Like it started as like a really lusty, just like intimate connection. And I believed him when he told me he was separated because I knew that I had a ring on, but I was separated and I knew I was going to be moving out. Um, Eventually anyway, so I believed him when he said that was like his situation too And at that time I believed in the universe. I did not believe in in god the father the christian god um, and so it felt like everything in the universe was aligning for us to be together where He ended up getting a sales territory to be Like right a couple hours away from where I lived because he lived in california I lived in arizona and he got a territory in arizona and he was then coming to see me like every other weekend and we'd get a hotel together and we would do tarot cards and try to figure out our future. Like, are we supposed to be together? And I realized like his wife was more in the picture than I thought. And it was like, you know, she would call and it, it would be this fight and he would be like, she's just having a hard time letting go. And then he ended up telling me that she was pregnant, like a couple months into our relationship. And at this point, like, I already think that I'm in love with this guy. Like I wasn't able to just let the relationship go. It was going to take a lot more for me to let this relationship go. (sighs) This is just really hard for me to talk about. Um, So the tarot cards were pretty much telling us that, you know, we had a new hope and a new future and we were meant to be together. And then I convinced him to do shrooms with me and it ended up being like a really, sexually demonic experience where I didn't realize it at the time because I was actually having fun with my demons at that time but I remember seeing them I remember how they looked I have another YouTube video talking more about them but like they had these like horns and these long tongues and everything was vibrant rainbow color-y and they were like laughing and playing and I was laughing and playing and and I remember him telling me the next day that he was actually scared because he felt them and so I feel like those ones like they were both of our demons but I I don't know I feel like those ones were most more so hanging out with me cuz like I'm in the strip club I'm in all these sex scenes I'm doing all these things like these sex demons had been attached to me forever at this point. And so then our arguments get more and more serious about religion and about faith and this book comes into my life because I'm reading all these books at this point. And this one is called Mary Magdalene Revealed and it's essentially a love story between Jesus and Mary Magdalene whether it's biblically accurate or not I didn't care at that point it was just you know he might not have loved her in that way but this book was relaying it that like she was in love with him and in reading about her love for him I began to be curious about him too and then also like being in a relationship with this, this guy who was like an ex gangster, like he used to to do really bad things. And then he found God. And he would tell me how like, he would be a terrible person if it wasn't for God, like he was already living in sin, but it would be even worse if he didn't believe in God. And if he didn't believe in the Bible. And so like that was happening. And then this book is happening. And I started to be curious about reading the Bible too. And some of the first verses that actually like stood out to me and started to make an impact on me were about sexual immorality and and about how Jesus was going to be returning soon and It just felt like like the conviction in me began to grow where I just gradually started believing the more I was started reading so then a weekend happens where you know we get together as we always do, and we talk about how. Like I'm done with the club forever. Like, what do I really want to do with my life? And like, I want to teach. I want to be influential. I want to like lead women. I want to help people like all these things. And he's like, okay, so you can't go back to the club. Like, once again, that's not integrity to have these goals and dreams and to see yourself this way, but then to be doing this in the dark. And I agreed, I was going to leave the club. We were going to be together. So we're serious about our relationship at this point. Like we're going to buy a house together. We're going to be together I think I was like reading the Bible while he was showering or something and he comes out. We'd had like a nice sushi date that night. He comes out and I'm like feeling distant from him for some reason and I don't know what it is. I think maybe I'm like insecure and breaking out or something. And so he dims the lights, gets closer to me and as he's like looking at me, his face begins to warp and I start seeing this demonic figure in him where his nose turns into a snout and I'm seeing a gorilla and his eyes like he, he turns completely black like a silhouette and then these evil yellow eyes come shooting through him and I'm just like astounded like I don't even know what I'm seeing right now and like I said to him I'm like I see a beast in you and he told me he was seeing the same thing I don't know if that was true but he, that's what he said and he like shakes it off and tells me it's not a good spirit and he like gets up and he's like squeezing his fists like squeezing my hands In fists and he's breathing really hard and I can tell he's fighting this demon I think this demon was his demon or this demon was using him to get to me and have sex with me I've heard that demons can become infatuated with humans. They think humans are beautiful And if you open portals, they are going to walk through those portals So this big demon was trying to get to me and I felt that like I felt so uncomfortable Like with my legs being open. I felt like this demon wanted me for that and this demon was casting this illusion over his face that he was being strangled and that his eyes were bulging out of his head. And being a believer, you'd think that he would call on the name of Jesus, but I don't know what he was praying. If he was saying something internally, eventually it stops and it goes away. So I don't know what happened. But that night I ended up praying for the first time in two years, despite having a whole YouTube channel speaking radically against Jesus. I was humbled in that moment. And I felt like, even though he prayed, like four hours had gone by, of like us talking, like, what the heck was that? And I still felt it in the room. Like little did I know it's like right beside me. Um, but I still felt it in the room and I asked him to pray and, and nothing was making this leave. And I felt in my heart that I needed to pray. I needed to pray but I just I felt so choked up too. It felt once again like a challenge like that demon that was in my room back when I was a teenager living with my aunt that was like pretty much like you're not gonna pray you're not gonna do it and so I did and that was like tears streaming down my face. I prayed out to Jesus to protect us. So this experience changed everything for me because while I'd seen demonic and encountered demonic like while on shrooms and other things like this i was completely sober in this moment and this revealed to me like this isn't just visions like the spiritual world is real demons are real because in the new age belief system you don't believe that satan is real you don't believe he's a real person you start to believe that you know evil and darkness it's all like a state of mind and you can transcend this but in that moment i looked the devil in his face and i knew he was real and so if he's real everything else must be real too. So I really just started seeking the truth. And I remember like, I looked into all kinds of belief systems, what all the different belief systems believe about good and evil and how to keep yourself protected. And and I was still coming to the Bible too. And I told my friend Tammy at this time, who was in my yoga teacher training, she was the only Christian I knew. I told her about this encounter and she invited me to church with her. And that's when I started going to women's groups and church. And I remember standing there and I still didn't believe in Jesus at this point, but I remember standing in service and seeing these families and just feeling convicted in my heart that like, I want him to have that with his family. I want him to be there with his wife and his kids. And I want this, like, I want a family like this. Like, I don't want to be a part of a broken home. I don't want to break up a home. While being at church, I also became convicted of the fact that in being so self-focused and always seeking my healing and my empowerment other people were now being hurt because of that like i was no longer the victim i became the perpetrator and i was realizing that it was like these things like this moral compass was just like coming into my heart and the ways of the bible just began to like god just began to convince me that it was true and that it was good and i only learned that in beginning to practice it because i knew i had opened portals i knew i began to understand sin at that point and sin is really just stepping out of the presence of god and into darkness and that's where you know you're open like you step out into the universe you do these these drugs you have sex with these people you play with these these tarot cards or these other spiritual things and you step out into the universe without a shield of protection, without the covering of the blood of Jesus. And that's exactly what I did. And I was ambushed and I knew it. I knew I was vulnerable at this point. I knew I wasn't powerful. I knew I wasn't God. I knew that there was nothing I could do to fight this demon. And so even if all these other religious practices of keeping evil away were maybe good and true, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. And that was one of the main things that led me to Jesus because I knew I needed his help to do it. I remember I started going to these freedom classes and these, like I said, these women's study groups and my friend Tammy, I would tell her about these things and like, maybe I am still supposed to be with him, but we fight these spiritual battles together. And like, maybe like I'm really his person. And I remember her telling me something that changed everything where she goes, God isn't the God of confusion. He's not going to go against his own word. He's not going to bring these relationships that cause you these scars. Like something sent this guy to you, but it wasn't God. It wasn't God that sent him to you. And so we had even discussed, me me and this guy, that, you know, because we were looking at houses. We were looking at making the next steps together. And we wanted to know because like it was a big move for him. It would have been a big move for me. We were both equally as confused. We were both equally as in sin and being used by the devil without realizing it, we didn't know. And so we knew that the next thing that we had to do, God was placing this on both of our hearts, was to be abstinent and figure out, is this really what we think it is? Or is this of the flesh? And, you know, I fell short and I struggled with this, but I began to just get eyes to see. And I felt this spiritual warfare happening all around me. And every time I gave in to him, I felt like the demonic got a stronghold back back into my life and I knew I couldn't give myself to him anymore and I knew I couldn't be a part of it like he was never going to leave me I had to leave him I was the one responsible and I made that decision and um, he became really vicious at that point like it was like his true colors were really revealed in practicing abstinence where I no longer had this rose-colored foggy vision of him and of what it was I now saw it clearly and that the demonic brought us together and that what he wanted from me was was sex and that's what I'd always given and I knew at this point like I was not giving myself away in that way anymore and so I confessed this I confessed it in my groups I confessed it to my pastor I had I went to these prophecy prayers I just began to be really like into the church and I knew that there was like evil all around my apartment and I remember like just feeling like like I'd pray I'd bring holy water in I would do anything like I cut this relationship off like spiritual warfare began became serious to me anytime I was afraid I'd put on worship music because I'd feel this warfare I'd feel the demonic and I remember looking at my Medusa statue because I had all these icons I had all this Egyptian stuff and you know, statues, Medusa and like tantric, like um Hindu statues and all this stuff. I had all these books of like sacred knowledge, but it was essentially it was essentially it wasn't sacred knowledge. This was, you know, eating the forbidden fruit. It was eating knowledge that's out there, but knowledge that has both good and evil. And you know, it's the a little bit of truth, but it's twisted to not be the full truth and you guys, I just had so much stuff. I literally was taking trash bags of books to the dumpster, tarot cards to the dumpster, statues to the dumpster, and just little by little, I began to feel more free from this demonic stronghold that was over my life, not just in the past couple of years, but since I came onto this planet. I began to learn more and more about who I am as God's daughter and not as what my reputation had been, not who the world told me I should be or who guys thought I should be, I began to really learn who God created me to be. And the fact that, you know, I was his beloved daughter and he saw me as sacred and he saw me as redeemed. And I wouldn't have been able to do this had I not been doing this at my church and in these small groups with these women who just poured into me, poured into me and i confessed so much to them like we can't fight these battles on our own and i knew that and i would say these things that like i was still ashamed about because i was still living it in the moment that's why i can share with you now i'm not i'm not ashamed because there's no condemnation in christ i don't live that life anymore that was the old me but at that time i still felt shame because i knew i was still living it i knew i was still struggling with it and they helped me every step of the way Get out of that lifestyle that I had lived in and I wanted to know because like i'd seen the demonic right and like The bible is proving itself to be true to me. God was convincing me And I started to share like my youtube channel. I began to take all these old videos down I deleted my facebook page that had all the new age stuff I deleted all my new age like sexual naked revealing shrooms drugs I deleted all this from like my socials everything And I started talking about Jesus and I was losing friends. I was losing followers. I was losing people in my life. People thought I was crazy. And I was like, God, like, I really need to know that you're him and he's you. Because like I said, I always believed in God. I just didn't believe in Jesus. And that's what brought me so much chaos is because I never knew like, okay, so Jesus gives us an example of how to live and how to stay close to God because God came in the flesh and showed us how to keep ourselves protected and free from the demonic and disease and all these things. And so I now had that compass of truth, but I needed to know like for real. And so I was praying to God all the time and he hears us. He wants to answer our prayers. And so I was praying like, I need to know that it's you, that it's Jesus. And so I had a couple of dreams back to back. This was right around the time I got baptized. I can't remember if it happened right before or right after, But I was laying in bed in this first dream and it was another sleep paralysis dream where I was stuck I was stuck 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 in the deep dark demonic I can't remember what exactly happened, but I just remember feeling stuck and terrified and restless And I was so afraid the next day. I started a new job I'm, like maybe this is a sign about the job. I don't know A few days go by and I have the follow-up dream to this where it's another sleep paralysis dream where i'm stuck in the deep dark demonic And I feel myself, my body gets lifted and thrown into like this black abyss. And then I wake up and then I think I'm awake and I'm walking around my apartment thinking like, okay, that's weird. I feel really eerie. And then I get lifted up and thrown into another black hole of the demonic. And then I wake up for a third time where now I know like I'm in my bed and I just feel helpless. I feel like I'm so deep, 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 like, I don't even know, like I'm so deep, dark, and down, I'm alone, I'm restless, like I can't move, but my body won't rest either. And just when I'm like, thinking that there's no hope, you know, that I'm stuck here forever, it just felt like eternity. I began to see this light in a distance. And this light began to get closer and closer. And even just the first glimpse of the light, My body began to feel rest, like just seeing it, like there's hope out there somewhere. Maybe not here, but it's out there. And it brought me some peace. And then it got closer with this vibration of just, (laughs) whoa. And next thing I know, this light is all around me where I physically feel the warmth of this light. And my whole body rests where I'm finally breathing and I'm at peace. And it feels like I'm in heaven now. And in that moment, it's like the sun is in front of me, but it's all around me. And through the center of the sun comes the face of Jesus. And I woke up this time for real. And I knew that he was real. And I knew that was him telling me like, I've saved you. I'm here. I'm with you. It's me. (laughs) You know, like there's nothing to hide here. It's me. I'm the one that you've been looking for. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I went into my baptism like, yes, like this is my God, this is my Jesus, and I was ready to live a new life. It's so crazy looking back before I believed in Jesus, like these encounters that I'd have with him, like when I was doing a bunch of shrooms, like this really bad demonic alien like trip that I had where these demons were telling me that I was meant to be in the sex work world because I was seeking my passion. This was like right after I moved into my apartment on my own and I just couldn't figure out my purpose. And I I went to mushrooms to find it rather than the God. Cause I didn't believe in God at that time. And as these demonic aliens started coming close to me, I felt God behind me. Like he was like behind this big translucent layer. And he's like, you don't have to go in there. And I was like, no, like I need to find out if there's a great mother. I need to find out about the aliens and he let me go. He let me go in there because, you know, we have free will, but he never left. And I feel like that's the main point is, like, no matter what I did, he was always there looking over me. And he always gave me an option out. But before I knew that Jesus was real, it just, it it didn't mean much to me. But then after my baptism, it's like, it's not like everything is just better it's not like all my struggles go away and i really struggled with like okay how can i give up this old lifestyle how do i fight these temptations how do i stay sexually pure how do i how do i do it and i was reading the bible and there's something about how like god never tests us or like there will never be a temptation beyond what we can endure and essentially like god always gives us a way out and so whenever i would feel a temptation i would literally like have this visual of these voices of a demonic voice telling me the temptation and then of how I respond to it in the name of Jesus. Like, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't have to do that. I'm free from that. And so it really wasn't about being like this, Oh, Holy Christian right away. Like I really struggled um, with all of that and like calling myself a Christian because you know, I just, I wasn't one of the good goody two shoe like Christian kind of people But I did have an encounter with Jesus that led me to believe in him and make me a Christ follower. And so it wasn't about me being perfect. He didn't need me to be perfect. He just needed me to keep following him. And that's what I did. Like, I didn't care about the rules. I didn't care about the religion. I cared about building that relationship with Jesus. And in growing closer to Jesus and in reading his word and in being close to his people and in his church, my ways just naturally began to change because I began to see that there was something better. There was something better for me and that I wasn't like settling for anything less than what God has for you. I began to see it as literally settling for dumpster trash when God has prepared this whole beautiful feast for you. But yeah, I really spent the next season of my life, like I said, just re-getting to know who I am in Christ, like who I really am and what I really want. And I made a list this time of what I want in a husband. And I was like, he has to love the Lord, like non-negotiable. We're not going into the demonic with nobody again, not for nobody. And I was like, he has to love family and be good with money and emotionally intelligent and be ambitious. I just wrote this whole thing. And at this point, I'm finishing up my freedom class, and I keep telling myself I'm not going to date until um, the end of this class. And of course, you know, I I backslid a little bit. I started drinking again. It's crazy. Like the devil is not trying to let me go. And anytime God gives a word or gives a revelation, the devil really does come in and try to steal it. But God was holding me tight, and I was still holding Him tight, even though I wasn't perfect. Um, and so I I write this list and I posted on my Instagram story of what I want in a husband. And at this point, like. I'm like interested in finding somebody but not just anybody like I really wanted to find my husband the one that you know would lead me closer to God that would make me holy before God and so I was just so intentional and that's actually how I met my husband um V followed somebody who shared my like we have a whole story if you want to watch our story that's another video it's another episode if you go down. It's one of the first ones um, on my podcast, how we met. But anyways, he finds me, he messages me. And we just like started deep in conversation. It was like instantly from the beginning, like these paragraphs. And he lived in Florida. I lived in Arizona. And we started FaceTiming all the time. And I like told him everything right from the get go. Like I was just baptized. This is what God saved me from. I told him, I was like, we have to do Bible studies together. Like, and he was eager, he was excited to do it, and that's what the foundation of this relationship was. So going back to a point I made earlier, you can tell the trajectory of a relationship based on its foundation. Every other one of my relationships was rooted in, you know, toxicity, sexual immorality, drugs, just overall sin and scars, sin and scars. And this was the first relationship that had no scars. And was rooted in God and in in intention of being righteous before God. And I came to visit him and like my lease was up. Once again, go watch the other video, um, listen to the other show about this, but essentially it just felt like God supported every part of my move and coming to be here with him. Like I thought I was going to have a couple months to end my lease to sell everything. No, all my stuff sold in four days And now I'm in this empty apartment. My friends like stopped talking to me because they thought this was crazy that I was moving. And these were also friends that I used to drink with. And they just weren't really like interested in all my God talk and all of this. So there was nothing left for me. Once again, there's nothing left for me in Arizona. And V goes, why don't you just come early? And so I bumped up my ticket and I came here and we got married right away because I knew I didn't want to fall into sin. And I knew I would have because it's always been a struggle, um, like the sexual purity and all this. And I just, I felt like he was my husband and he felt like I was his wife and we just like full sent it. Really like a bulk of the spiritual warfare came after that because once again, anything God has for you, anything God tells you, anything God reveals to you, the devil does try to come and steal it right after that. So that'll be another video too of... um you know, surviving year one of marriage. But now it's like, it's not perfect, but it's, it's beautiful. And I love my husband so much. and I know that God has blessed this marriage. And I understand now, like, you know, marriage is so sacred and two flesh are really coming together as one. And it's no wonder that when you rip one away and they're involved in all this sin, it brings in, it opens room for the demonic to come in when that separation happens and I just, I don't know, I've just learned so much. And marriage is just literally the best. And I learn how to love more like Jesus. I learn how to receive more love. You know, like as Jesus loves me through my husband. And I've just, yeah, it's been, it's been great. But obviously, like all the all the brokenness, it doesn't just go away. Like when you get married, all of the scars from the past, all the people you slept with, all the drugs you did, like all those pieces of brokenness, it's not like they just all mend together right away, just because you get married. No, like you still are going through a healing journey of that. But it's like now you do it together. And so just like, you know, when you're feeling this pain, when you're feeling this brokenness, it's something that leads you closer to God, you, you come closer to God, because like he helps you heal it. It's the same thing when you're now married, but you've come in with all this baggage like I did, where this brokenness can be something that binds you closer together. It can bring you into deeper intimacy and knowing of each other. So I don't regret anything because I know that God is going to use my story to speak to many other young women who think that what they're doing is empowering and just all these lies that the devil tells us. I know that my message is for those girls who don't realize yet that the devil is chipping away more and more and more of their soul each time they show up each time they give themselves in that way so that's the last thing i want to say to you if you're walking in that is that you are god's beloved daughter he loves you so much he wants to hold your hand he wants to pull you through this he wants to show you what's on the other side of this if you follow him. While his love is unconditional, his blessings aren't. They do require obedience to unlock the door to those blessings. And he wants you to walk in that. He wants you to receive that. He wants to give you the desires of your heart as well. And those desires are things that he planted. Those spiritual gifts are things that he planted. If you're in the new age and you're like, I don't want to stop you know, using this gift or utilizing this, like the psychics, the tarot cards, all these things, God gave you that gift. God can use that gift. God can redeem that gift. Satan has stolen it and is using it for the work of his kingdom. If you lay your life down for Christ, you still get to live in that gift, but now it's redeemed. Now it's used for God's kingdom, for the kingdom of goodness. And so like he can redeem anything, any part of your story. If you feel too far gone, too dirty, too shameful, I just hope that my story shows you that God comes for us like Jesus came for people like you and me he's close to the brokenhearted you just have to call out to him and begin to seek him like don't stress about the rules don't stress about being a perfect religious person any of this just call out to Jesus and I promise that he's going to reveal himself to you be it in dreams in visions, and intuitions where you just know he's speaking to you in his word, in the people that he places in your life, he wants to speak to you. So that's all I have for my testimony today. If you haven't watched my other videos, I love to have people on the show and share their testimonies. It's much easier, like I said, to talk to other people about their testimonies. So I've got lots of those videos. Um, Be sure to subscribe if you're interested in things like that. And that's all I've got for you today. So until next time, you guys, I hope to see you soon.